Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Josh Axe. Welcome to the show. Did you know that the average American feels insecure five times a day? And these feelings of insecurity and a lack of self-worth sabotage almost every area of our life. If you don't feel self-confident and secure in who you are, it's going to impact your relationships, your career success, and your physical health in a big way. And on today's episode, I'm going to be diving deep into the topic of worthiness and how to build your identity and your self-esteem. And I think that this is a topic that is so, so important. And by the way, there is no one out there alive who hasn't felt a sense of feeling insecure and unworthy. And it's really important that you build up your sense of worthiness in the right way. Most people do this in the wrong way. And so if you're a person and you struggle with low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-value, and you're also going through life always trying to please other people, this episode is for you. The reality is we have an identity crisis on our hands in our culture. According to a study in 2023, they found the average American, as I mentioned earlier, feels insecure five times a day. And we have a major problem with imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome, a recent study found, the prevalence rate is as high as 60 to 80%, especially in graduate students, college students, nurses, medical students, and other professions. And so if you are feeling like you're an imposter, uh, it does something to your psyche. You're not as effective. And I want to say, I, by the way, I've had imposter syndrome. I think everybody has imposter syndrome. When I first opened my functional medicine clinic, I think I was 26 years old. And I had a few people say to me, hey, you look a little young to be a doctor. And so I remember because I was so impacted by it, I grew, I grew this big grizzly beard. In fact, the first YouTube video I ever did, if you go back and look at my first one ever, now it should still be on there, it may not, but I had this huge, I had this really thick beard. Uh, and then because I thought, well, if I have this beard, people will stop telling me that I'm, you know, you know, two, you know, I'm 26 year old, you know, medical you know, physician and all these sort of things. So all that being said, all of us, no matter who, who we are, we struggle with this feeling of imposter syndrome, but it's important to recognize that if you're constantly feeling a sense of unworthiness, low self-esteem, that it's going to impact every area of your health. In fact, from a medical standpoint, if you study traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or some of these ancient forms of medicine, if somebody has a sense of low self-worth and value, it actually negatively impacts their digestive system. It it's impacts their identity, which is foundational for who they are, which then that's actually tied to digestion and Chinese medicine. And if that identity then impacts your purpose, well, now that's going to affect your hormones and your reproductive system, and then that's going to affect your mental health. So if you are struggling with low value and low sense of self-worth, it's actually part of what we call the uh, the, the mind-body connection where your mindset about something, about your identity, your worth, who you are, is now affecting your physical health of every cell, organ, tissue of your body. And this thing we're talking about, again, this is something everyone deals with. And this is something a famed psychologist dealt with in something known as Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And this is something when I spent time studying and earning my master's at Johns Hopkins University, I really dug into a lot is looking at this and studying Maslow, one of these, again, famed psychologists. And so here's what he says in terms of us actually, like what we need, right? So something I think all of us need in order to survive and thrive is we, we, we need our physiological needs met, right? We need to have food. We need to have water. We need to be breathing air. We need shelter. We need those, you know, we need to be protected physiologically. So that's the most basic of all needs. By the way, this is important to recognize. If you want to help somebody who's in need, if they don't have the very, like, like oftentimes we try and go and, uh, you know, meet the needs of somebody, uh, well, helping them achieve something and boosting their confidence. But sometimes people have a hard time with those things. If their very basic physiological needs are met, it's hard for them to emotionally, mentally, and spiritually grasp those things. And so it's important that all of these needs are met if you want to thrive in life. So as I go through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I want you to answer this question for yourself. Are your needs met in all five or actually six of these areas? 
So the first one here, again, is these physiological needs, okay? Are your needs met with food, clothing, everything else? I'm guessing if you are listening to this show, they, they are. The next one, though, here is safety and security. Do you feel safe and secure in your health? Uh, do you, or do you have a serious medical condition? You feel unsafe because of it. How about your employment? Employment? Do you feel like you could be let go of your job, or your spouse could be, or the person who's providing for you? Maybe even maybe even a spouse leaving you. How about your property? Do you feel safe and secure there? And then also your family and your social ability. So, for instance, you know, do do you have a family member who's abusive? Could be even verbally. Uh, socially within your inner circle, if those needs aren't met, that's going to impact you and your thriving and surviving in life and your identity. The next uh, rung here is love and belonging. Okay. Listen, everybody wants to be included. I know the times when I was a kid growing up, when I felt the worst about myself, when I had the lowest sense of value and the lowest sense of self-worth was when I was excluded from the group, okay? When I kind of felt like an outcast, okay? And I think all of us at some point in life maybe feel like the outsider. And so what's really connected to that, and so again, if you feel like you're the outsider, you're the outcast, you're kind of, you know, standing outside that, that, that group and not you don't feel a sense of belonging to a group of some sort that really impacts your identity. And this is where friendship is critical, that you feel like you have a close sense of, of family ties. This is intimacy, both, uh, I think there's a level here of both physical intimacy, but also more of that emotional intimacy is actually even more important here. And just a, a general a sense of connection. This is where actually hormonally, uh, you'll know you're in this, uh, when you look at love and belonging and safety and security, this is where you'll start to see the hormone oxytocin uh, kick in. And oxytocin is released at the very highest levels, typically, when a mother is nursing a child, right? So that child is feeling safe, secure, loved, like they belong. And so you'll even feel this sort of sense of calmness. And I'll, I want to ask you this. Do you feel that for yourself? Do you feel like you have family and friends and a sense of deep connection and intimacy with those people? If not, that's going to impact your sense of worth and your identity. The next step up is your sense of self-esteem. Now, this tends to be the one people most correlate with, your own self-worth. And this is really tied to your sense of self-confidence, okay? You're confident in who you are, your ability to do something. It uh, tends to be oftentimes connected to achievements or accomplishments in life. Maybe you won the trophy at one point, or you got a raise, or you finally got the job you love, and you feel like you're able to use your gifts and talents, but self-esteem. In addition to that, uh, self-esteem Esteem tends to come from the respect of others. There are others within our community that have a respect for us, or we feel like they have a respect for us. And the other thing here with self-esteem is the, the need to feel like you're a unique individual, okay? So you're not just one of, you know, of, of many, that, 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 that you are a person that is unlike anyone else, okay? That you have something unique to offer and bring to your family, to your community, to your workplace, uh, so that's really where a lot of self-esteem comes from. And then the top rung here is what's called self-actualization. Now, sometimes people actually divide these into two, but I want to go through this here. Self-actualization is really tied to your sense of morality, creativity, uh, acceptance, um, experiencing purpose and meaning in your inner potential. So really, th this is really tied to purpose. If you are living in a state of this self-actualization, you have a purpose and you feel like you are, are fulfilling your purpose in life. Now, I know according to studies, only 25% of people feel like they know their purpose. So first off, it's not 25% of people are fulfilling. No, only 25% of people even know what their purpose is. So this is where a lot of people fall off as well, as they don't feel like they, they have a sense of purpose and that their life is truly meaningful and that they're fulfilling their highest potential. So this is an idea, and I think if people that feel... Uh, this high sense of self-actualization, really feel like, number one, the first word here is morality. They feel like, okay, I am ethically doing the greatest good in the world. I know that God created me to do something unique, and I'm fulfilling that purpose here on earth. 
That's how you fulfill that top rung. And by the way, I do want to mention something here. When you see somebody who really hit on all of these needs, you see someone like Jesus come in, right? And when he's speaking to people, he's feeding the 5,000, right? He's meeting a physiological need, okay? Uh, In addition, that he's healing the sick. He's actually providing safety and security. He is bringing in those outcasts, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that were said, you're the scum of society, the lepers, people with serious illness and disease. He's bringing them into his inner circle. He's then telling people as well via self-esteem how unique they are. And then self-actualization, he's he's really connecting them to a greater level of doing good in the world, morality, purpose, basically this spiritual uh, this level of spiritual awareness. So you see someone like that uh, Jesus, who, who fulfills every single one of those rungs. And when you're operating in your highest sense of identity and capacity and worthiness, you will actually then go and model that same thing, and you'll go out in the world and start providing some of these things and helping other people fulfill their own needs. So here's how it works. If you are empty of these things, you're typically going to be a taker, okay? You're typically going to be trying to get a lot of these from other people. But if you're fulfilled in that area, you will tend to then go and give some of that away, especially if you are operating uh, out of a higher level of spiritual morality in that way. And so I want to go through now and go through really the problem. And then I'm going to go through the solutions. I'm going to go through how to start to build your sense of worthiness. And I'll go through a little bit about what science says about it. I'm going to also dive into the spiritual, get into what certain texts like uh, scriptures, like the Bible says about it, and how to start to build a stronger sense of self-worth. Because remember, it's so important that you feel a sense of worthiness about yourself. Because if not, you will not be able to pass that worthiness on to others. So, so, so think about it like this. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't feel worthy, it's very hard for you to pass on a sense of worthiness to your kids if you're a parent, right? You want your kids to feel worthy. You want them to know that, that, that they are meaningful, they're unique, they're called with a purpose, all these things. If you don't feel that yourself, you cannot pass it on to others. Even if you tell them, kids pick up on the spiritual, and the emotions that you feel, even more than the words you say. So it's important to recognize if you want to be a true world changer and somebody who has a big impact, you've got to meet your needs in this and then pass those on to others. So here's the paradox here right now when we when, and, and the, the, the problem with culture. We live in a culture that prizes external worthiness signals. So get this, this is big. Most of the time, people are always trying to treat the symptom, not the disease. They're trying to uh, focus on the outside, not the inside. And in our society today, it's, it's totally obsessed with achievement. Your worthiness for most people is tied to either your last accomplishment or your or a past accomplishment. So, hey, you did something good in the past, okay? It was an actual thing you did. And that makes you feel worthy. And if you messed up recently, well, now you don't feel worthy. This is how most people go through life. It's like a roller coaster. By the way, do you feel that for yourself ever, where you feel like sometimes you feel great about yourself and sometimes you feel terrible about yourself? This is because you've really bought into what society says makes you worthy. And it's all based on something you've done or accomplished. One of the big reasons why you may not feel a sense of worthiness And this sort of sense of self-fulfillment and joy and passion in life is due to culture, okay? And what culture says should make you feel worthy. Now, traditionally, uh, one of of the things culture would would tend to do is say, uh, let's use beauties for an example. Again, it was all about the external. Well, I'm a, you know, I I have a successful career. I have a nice home. I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm a good looking person. Okay. These are all external things. And so people tend to accumulate things in order to make themselves feel more worthy oftentimes. And so rather than doing it from the inside, we just, exter- we just accumulate all these external things. I got a nice car. I got a good career. I got a, you know, maybe I'm an attractive person. So because of those things, that makes me feel worthy. And even and that, that's traditionally uh, how, what happens now in modern times, one of the ways that uh, people start to try and feel worthy or what's happened is that, that society, uh, the modern culture has tried to flip everything on its head. 
And so, by the way, if you read the book, if you if you if you read the Bible, I'd go. I encourage you to go and look up this verse afterwards. It's Isaiah five twenty. But basically, this verse says, you know, um, people will say when times that are very evil that they'll start saying that things that are good are actually evil, and they'll say evil is good, and they'll th- say things like, well, sweet and sa- is sour, and sour is sweet, and they'll start saying day is night and night is day, just things that are crazy you'd never say, you know, like a man is a woman or a woman is a man, right? So look up Isaiah 520. That's a good one to read up on this. But this is what modern culture, so remember, traditional culture says they recognize what beauty is, okay? But, but but it's all external. Okay. So they don't look at internal beauty. Modern culture will say, well, here's what beautiful is. And, and they'll say something that's not beautiful at all. That's what beautiful is. And I want to give you an example of this. And by the way, I might get critiqued on this, but that's okay. I'm here to bring the truth. One of the things as a physician, I, I have seen this thing in culture where, where we've had people start to glorify obesity. And by the way, I want to be sensitive to the fact that some people have hormonal issues. Some people genetically have a much harder time with weight. And so I I want to be empathetic in that situation. But listen, I've I've worked with thousands of patients uh, and helping them lose, you know, a lot of them over 100 pounds. And I can tell you statistically, if you are obese or greatly overweight, it negatively impacts every area of your life. Of, co- of course, your physical health, dying of a heart attack, diabetes, almost every issue you can think of. My point there, though, is, is that society now has actually said something that is actually not good. Listen, disease, in, disease of the body not being your ideal way, what God created you to be, that's, that's not something to be praised. That's something that we should have compassion for and want to change, but we should never praise it. Now, listen, I don't think fat shaming is what we should do either. I think there's a level of, again, sensitivity and compassion and empathy, but also challenging people to let them know, listen, you're not at your ideal right now, and I know you can do better, right? There's a sort of like, uh, there's just sort of balance of this coach of saying, you know you can do better, but this this empathetic, uh, this level of empathy saying, you know what, I know this is hard though. But I want to get back to this again. Here's what culture has done. Traditional culture has said, yes, this is beauty, and and oftentimes they're right about things that are beautiful. Look at look look at look at the architecture of the past of what Michelangelo and his art have created. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's magnificent. Modern culture has come in today saying, well, we think that you know taking paint and you know throwing it up on a blank canvas and tying uh, putting duct tape on it that's great art today. It's like, well, that's not great art. So basically, m- modern uh, modern culture has absolutely warped what is evil and what is good and what is beautiful and what is not. And this has also created a real identity crisis and even a self-worth crisis because now people, don't, they're not sure. Does this mean I'm worthy? Does this not mean I'm worthy? It's actually typically still tied to the outside. It's external. Let me give you the pri- another prime example of this. Virtue signaling, Okay. People are not actually worried about being virtuous. Being virtuous is Mother Teresa. It's saying, I'm going to actually sacrifice things I have. I'm going to take part of my wealth. I'm going to give it to others. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give to others. I'm going to give things that are worthy and valuable, things of value that I have, and give that to others, okay, in need. Here's what people do today. They get on social media, And they start pointing out everyone and saying, hey, I'm virtuous because I'm standing up for this cause, right? Another prime example of this is Bill Gates. Bill Gates is running around telling everybody, you know, that they need to, you know, stop eating meat and start eating fake meat. And everyone should stop driving, you know, their cars as much and and using gasoline and a number of things. While he as a single person, according to, I think, a a, a recent... uh, uh, a recent study is not the right word, but 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 a, a recent recent data that he's probably one of the top ten people in the world that is actually hurting climate as an individual because of what he does amount he the amount of times he flies on his fi- private plane a year. So all that being said, but do you see what where, where what that is there? So so everybody is doing these things. They're 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 trying to virtue signal, saying I'm virtuous without actually being virtuous. They're doing something external, but their inside is no different. Their inside is still toxic. And so that's part of the problem today. Now, now here's what it should be, okay? 
Here is how you really get to being worthy, feeling worthy. It's not just an external thing based on your accomplishments or accumulating things or trying to make people trying to look good on the outside, right? People doing this they're in their marriages all the time. Their marriage is in total shambles, yet they're trying to look perfect to everyone on the outside because they're more worried about the outside than what's going on in the inside. What the divine says, when you look at scriptures, and this, this, is, this is the Judeo-Christian scriptures, but also I believe there's an element of this in other, uh, in other religious worldviews, and it's this. Um, the most important thing for you to feel worthy is what's going on in the inside. Stop trying to you know, look a certain way on the outside. Like, like, let, me, let me say, it's okay. You want to look good, okay? But that shouldn't be the priority. The most important thing is actually to be good. Not to look good, but to actually be good on the inside and know the sense of your internal self. Know, know, know your character, know the, the value you can bring the world, your unique gifts and skills. So it's really growing and understanding you have the ability to grow great in character and in the unique gifts and skills God's giving you and then using those. But the, 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 the divine... Basically, by the way, uh, in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, Paul says this. He says, listen, physical training, it's, as, it's of some value, but godliness and character are of greater value both for now and for eternity. Okay, so, so do you get that? So he says it's of some value. Uh, this sort of external things, right? Your physical health, looking good, physical appearance, right? Losing that weight. So you're not uh, so if somebody is obese, to lose it, he says, that's a value. But what's the most valuable is this inner sense of your identity connected to the divine, your character, using the gifts God's given you, those sort of things. That's even more important. You know, we see this actually in the Bible as well with King David, where, do you know this? If you if you read, I love this story. Uh, first off, this prophet Samuel goes to to David's father, and he said, let me see all your sons. And he goes through all his sons, and all these are like big, strapping, strong, you know, uh, strong men. And um, and then he, Samuel's like, none of these boys are it. I can tell him. I'm hearing from God. None of them are it. He's like, well, I do have another son. By the way, most people, uh, if you read the Bible, believe that, that David had red hair. So, and, and some people actually believe that he wasn't actually a legitimate, a full uh, son. Maybe it was out of wedlock. Now, listen, there, there's different opinions there. But basically, it was this. He was kind of like, you know, the redheaded youngest child that, that wasn't the real man of the family. He was kind of a little bit, he, he, was, he was the outcast. He was on the, on the outside. And he's the one that God said, no, he's a man after my own heart. So David wasn't probably as handsome. I know the statue of David is very handsome, right? We, I doubt it's actually what David looked like. But anyways, uh, David was known as being this, uh, you know, as being this probably red-haired, fiery, sort of passionate person. And God said, no, I'm not going to pick the one on the outside that looks the best, the one that has the greatest accolades, the greatest physical strength, the greatest. No, I want to pick the one that's after my own heart. All that being said, we we it, it's important that you know if you want to build your sense of value and self-worth that you got to start on the inside and for you to buy a bigger a better car for you to marry this person you think is sort of this you know this person that's going to make the trophy wife or husband for you to get that ideal career all of those things may add a little bit to your sense of self-worth but they can all disappear in an instant and they're not going to build true self-worth. And I'm going to go through how to actually build self-worth. Uh, I also want to say, too, you know, I loved movies in the 90s. I think a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s, they did a better job of highlighting um, good morality. You know, I think about back in the 50s and 60s, they did highlight like real beauty, like more manliness and femininity and those traditional roles. So I think there's some good things that came out of those movies in the 50s. But if you look at the 80s and 90s, a lot of the movies, I'll give you an example of this. There's, there, this movie's been remade a hundred times as the same storyline. You have a girl and she's got great character and she's really not beautiful on the ends. Well, actually, so sometimes this, this actually might be the reverse, but I still think these movies are... You'll know what I'm talking about. You know, there, there's a girl, she wears glasses and she's got braces and she's all, you know, she's uh, she's not seen as beautiful by most people in school. Okay, it tends to be a high school or something like that. And then this girl gets her braces off, removes her glasses, gets dressed up, shows up to Brahm like Cinderella, right? And the guy's like, wow. But the guy was falling for her the whole time and actually first fell in love with her inner beauty. 
right? So, so there is an element there in a lot of those movies from the 80s and 90s that you'll see is like, this is what people truly fall in love with. I can tell you from marrying a woman that is incredibly beautiful on the inside, it's what matters most. If you're married and you really, really love your spouse, you'll know what I mean by when I'm, I'm about to say this. Chelsea could, uh, you know, could get burns all over her body, lose her hair, and, uh, and to a lot of people not look beautiful, okay? And, 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 you know, because she went through this sort of horrific experience. But to me, she would still be absolutely beautiful. And if you're a person that's married and you are a loving person yourself and you married, married the right person, I think you'd probably feel the same way as well. I'd, I'd be interested if you agree with me on this, that if your spouse had scars all over their body uh, from, let's say, like a fire, like, would you still, would you love them any less tomorrow? Would you be the sort of person that would leave them or would you love them uh, the same or even more? Like, and I, knowing Chelsea, she would probably have, you know, burns over her body because she was like, you know, running through the house to save our kids. All that being said, I think that there's this level today of a lot of people do not see inner beauty as we're supposed to be seeing inner beauty. It's the way that God sees us. And so I do think that if you want to feel worthy yourself, you need to start seeing the worthiness in other people. You need to stop looking at all of the outside things, all of the things that the world says are great today, the job titles, the, the number of social media following, the pick perfect picture on Instagram, uh, you know, the, the, the new house, whatever it is. And you need to start looking at the lives of others and looking at what's truly beautiful because i think part of this it's it's wisdom it's recognizing what real beauty is and what real value is and so i remember even when i got married like my top thing on my list of 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 things i wanted and i i remember before i got married i wrote a list of these are all the things i would love in an individual and when i would rank order them because this is the way i am i'm very specific on things my number one thing was not a smoking hot wife okay my number one was uh, you know a a a woman who loves god and then it was somebody who's really wise and mentally stimulating where we were kind of iron sharpens iron in our deep conversations right it's, it, now I, and then i wanted some of those physically fit cuz we do that together so and, and listen i think you should be attracted to the person you marry, but I think the most important thing is this inner attraction to the beauty within a person. And today, that's not how most people function. Most people are so shallow due to never going deep in what they read, never going deep spiritually, that everything is external. And so their life is so superficial and it's not meaningful. Having true meaning in your life, there's a real depth to it. And so I think it's so important that if you want to feel worthy yourself, that you recognize what true beauty and true value is in other people, what it is in general, so then you can start recognizing and seeing those things within yourself. Now, I want to go through a study here. There was a 2019 survey of 3,000 Gen Z tweens. Uh, the top choice for career path was actually being a YouTuber. Uh, or social media influencer. Okay, so that's that's what everybody wants to be today. You look at Gen Z; it's it's YouTuber or social media influencer on a, a channel like Instagram or TikTok. And again, this ties into something I just said. It's you know, um, it's really tied to it's very shallow, right? They're not real relationships that you have on social media. Real relationships are typically, you know, most of the time they're in person, people you're connecting with in some way. That's not to say that you can't have friends live. I have some really close friends in other states and maybe I see them once a year, something like that. So you can have really deep relationships that way. But my point is, is most of these relationships have become outside, not inside. You know, and here's the other thing I think that affects our worthiness today, these feelings of worthy and our self-esteem, is we're constantly scrolling on our phones, going through somebody's highlight reel, which are the best moments of their life. In fact, here's the other thing. It's not only their best moments, they're not real moments, okay? It's where somebody is acting. Everyone's acting. For, for most of the time, when you look at these reels or stories or posts on social media, and you know, it's here's the thing I do want to mention about social media, by the way. I, I'm not saying it's all evil. I'm saying it's an amplifier. You can use your social media for good or for evil. If you're following great people that actually build your sense of self-worth, an example of this, somebody I'm going to talk about in a minute is Jamie Kern Lima. If you're following her, boom, your, self, your sense of self-worth is going to go up. 
I hope if you follow me, it will help. I hope if you follow Mel Robbins, I hope if you follow, uh, you know, people like Ed Milet. There's a lot of people out there, I feel like, that do a good job. Um, there, there's a lot of really amazing, virtuous people out there putting out great content that that can help build, you know, Sadie Robertson, that's another person, build your self-esteem. Tim Tebow, there's another one. So, so I think if you're following the right people and the right reels, it's going to increase your sense of, of worthiness. If you're following all the people who are kind of like, you know, holding up their phone and trying to get that perfect spot and the perfect light, and they're going to show kind of their backside and their lips and, and whatever, you, you know what, you know what, that, that's, it, it's going to over time start to deteriorate your sense of self-worth. It's you, you become what you fix your eyes on. Okay. You want to fix your eyes on the right thing. And if you're fixing your eyes on the wrong thing, it's going to break you down. If you fix your eyes on the right thing, it's going to start to build you up and start focusing on following those virtuous and wise people. I challenge you to do this right after this. If you are on Instagram or TikTok, whatever social media platform you follow, go and follow and subscribe to those people, you know, are virtuous, good people. Okay. Go and follow those spiritual accounts, the leadership accounts, the personal growth accounts, those close friends that are virtuous, those, those people that are actually celebrities that bring the truth, like Jordan Peterson's or Andrew Huberman's or those sort of people. Go follow those people. Go and delete every account that is not that. And just and, and they're not all going to come up at once. D delete them as they come. Just say, you know what? This is, this is building mine. Uh, me, this is tearing me down. And, and if you do that, you'll see actually even a month from now or so, you'll be like, wow, my mindset is different. I have a greater sense of worthiness because I took action in this area. And again, what, one question I have for you, and, I, and I've asked this a couple of times now, but I want to ask again, um, do you feel valuable? And part of that is also tied to, do you feel like you matter? Do you feel like you're actually able to contribute? And it's important that if you feel like you lack a sense of self-worth, that you go and begin to work and build that. I want to get to another principle here, and then I'm going to get into the, the, some of these things a little bit more. But you know, here's the reality. People that don't tend to feel worthy, either here are some signs that the person doesn't feel worthy. One, they talk about themselves a lot and tell everyone else how worthy they are. That's the biggest sign that somebody feels unworthy, is they talk about themselves a lot, and about how worthy they are right now. Of course, narcissists tend to do this because their self-worth now, now it, it, narcissists talk about themselves because their self-worth is actually sometimes incredibly high. But for most people, other people, their sense of self-worth is just incredibly low. Okay. And I got a friend like that. I, I got a couple friends like this and I don't think they're, they're narcissists, but they, I know their self-esteem is incredibly low. So they're always just saying, Hey, I did this or I, you know, just interjecting it constantly. Um, the other one is, uh, people that are people pleasing to get validation. This happens constantly. So uh, people that tend to have a lack of self-worth, they're always doing, constantly doing things, saying yes to every last thing. All right. And you might be one of those people, right? So you are constantly saying yes to everything, just trying to please everyone around you. You're a people pleaser. That's a sign that you have lower self-worth. And the third one is isolation. To where you absolutely isolate because you feel like you even being around other people is not good for other people. And you kind of, those people tend to, rather than going to people, which is actually even a little bit healthier than this, if somebody isolates, they have these feelings of loneliness and shame and guilt about actually who they are. And that actually is increased risk of suicide and depression and anxiety and a number of other health issues. But isolating is the other thing. If you see a person that's just absolutely by themselves all the time, it tends to be oftentimes due to a sense of self-worth. Now, I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about being introverted here. I'm an introvert. My wife is a mega introvert. And we, I feel like I have a really good sense of self-worth because of what I have meditated on Um in, in the Bible. Uh, and because I've surrounded myself with some really encouraging, great people, but, um, isolation is not introversion. Introversion is, well, I like being by my, I need a little bit of alone time. 
And I also like working in small groups. Okay. I don't like big groups. I like just working one-on-one with others. That's, that's more, more being introverted or people I, I, I know, like my family. So, so isolation is not introversion there. But if you isolate a lot by yourself and you know part of it is due to you kind of feel like the outsider, the outcast, you don't belong, that's due to a lack of self-worth. And so here, here are some things here. Low self-worth, um, people are trying to add value to others because they don't feel worthy. And they're trying to get people to recognize they exist. It's this level of kind of, those people oftentimes will f- uh, feel a sense of desperation to fit in. You know, I, I, I know a, a guy like this, and he's always trying to get in the inner circle of the most popular people. And... Um, and and because and he's always and he just comes off very very desperate. So if you see those people that are really desperate to fit in, that that that's from a low sense of self worth. Here's what high self worth looks like. And by the way, it's important to know what high self worth looks like so you know what you are going after. High self worth people look for how to va- add value to others. That's what they're doing. And by the way, they're not doing it to people please. They're doing it because they just know they have something to offer. They know that they're valuable and they have something valuable to offer. So they're always looking for how to add value to the lives of others. The second thing high self-worth people do is um, they uh, they pass their sense of value on to others. So they're always encouraging and letting other people know the value that they have. That's the top two things. They, they add value to others, and then they also go to others and let them know they have value to add other people. And there are also those people that try and bring people in, into the inner circle. They don't want people sitting on the outside because people that those people that are kind of in the middle, they have a little bit of worth, but not a lot. They want to have more. And so what they'll do is they'll kind of like stay in the inner circle, but they want to keep other people on the outside because they're afraid maybe they'll be replaced. One question I have for you here is, is where are you right now? Are you low self-worth? Are you middle self-worth or are you high self-worth? You want to go for being high self-worth. In order to feel worthy, here's the first step, is that you want to recognize that you have something valuable to offer. That's, that's one of the first steps here, okay, is you want to recognize that you have something valuable to offer. I want to also mention this. You know, when I look at today's culture and things like, whether it's, you know, gender dysphoria or coloring your hair in a way to stand out and be recognized, a lot of times people are doing this in different ways, right? Again, it's a lot of external things are happening in order for people to feel valuable or unique. Sometimes feeling unique makes you feel more valuable. Um, but oftentimes, again, these external factors, they never, they, they never add up. If you look at mass shooters, the, one of the biggest reasons that they have gone and, and shot up schools is because they want to be famous. They want to be recognized. So wanting to be seen is one of the biggest reasons why, again, and that's feeling worth, here, here's the thing. If, if you, the first level of feeling worthy at all is feeling seen. So some people feel like their, their, their value is so low, they don't even feel like people see them, they feel like they're invisible to the world. And so people will go at great lengths to be seen as far as, you know, again, changing their hair color, uh, getting piercings, getting tattoos. By the way, I'm not saying if somebody does that always, sometimes that's fashion and sometimes confident people do that, okay? But oftentimes somebody will even change what they say their gender is. This happens when people have, their, when they want to be seen or recognized, people will do all of these different things in order for people to see them. And that's due to low value or low sense of self-worth. Now, here are some principles on how to build your self-worth. And here's a principle that is so important from probably my favorite author of all time. It's J.R.R. Tolkien. And he says this, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. It's above all value. So the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. So listen to this, the praise of the praiseworthy. So who's praiseworthy? Those people that you admire, those people that are people that you look up to in life, it could be parents, it could be a coach, it could be a teacher, it could be a mentor, it could be just a public, somebody who is well-recognized. If that person then goes to you and tells you, praises you for doing something well. It's above all rewards. That reward, it's above all, it's above anything else that could add value to you. So it, remember, va- value typically comes not from yourself saying you're valuable, but often it can be translated from another person, okay? Um, we see value in terms of community. And so if someone that you deem as significant says you're valuable, that adds more to your self-worth than anything. 
And again, this starts with parents, people that have low self-worth versus middle self-worth versus high self-worth. It, it t tends to be based almost so, mostly on their parents. If you admire, if, if you admire your parents uh, and they were good parents, they had a really beautiful balance of love and discipline, okay, you'll feel valuable. Okay, you're going to feel valuable if you most often. Now, I do want to say this: uh, we joke around about this in my family, and we joke around about this in Chelsea's family. Statistically, when you look at psychology, middle children tend to struggle just a little bit more with their feelings of of self worth and self value. Okay, and so they tend to be a little bit more wild and crazy and doing things because they want to be recognized. Okay. And so just to say that that statistically in psychology, that's that's a reality. And and, and if you're a parent now, listen, I, I do know that a lot. And I come from a family of three. I'm the oldest. Chelsea comes from a family of three. She's the oldest. And so we do recognize this in our in our siblings. And so if middle children, siblings are watching this, then we love you. You're special. OK. Um, so but but that being said, you know, I, I think if parents really and this is why. You know, I remember when I was playing games as a kid, um, I played a lot of sports, I track, I, I, a lot of soccer, uh, some basketball too. And I would always look over and see if my dad was there. And he was always there. Like I had a dad who I don't think ever missed a single game. I'm talking about, I played year round sports, thousands of games. And I don't think my dad, I can't remember missing a game. My dad most of the time would go to my practices and sometimes watch. And that, for me, did a lot for my sense of value and so forth. And by the way, I know that, now listen, some people are, are going to use the word privilege here. I think that's a terrible word to use. I think the word would probably be, uh, you know, blessed. I feel so blessed and fortunate to have a, a dad who who did that. And because of that, I do think that was, that's part of what helped build a stronger sense of self-worth within me. But... Um, but again, this all starts with your parents. Now, now I know plenty of people who didn't even have parents at all, or maybe were 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 orphans, or who whose dad wasn't around, and they were able to build a very high sense of self worth. So, no, it doesn't have to be dependent upon that. You can change, you can grow in your self worth to a maximum level. But if you do have low self worth, it tends to start when you're a kid. I do want to say this: if you don't have that father figure or that mother figure in your life or that that mentor that person pouring into you um you know uh, one you should go and find those type of people in your life we all should have at every point in our life still some i still have people that are mentors i'm in my 40s i still have mentors in their 50s 60s 70s 80s i i still have people i go to and spend time with that i admire and that oftentimes will speak life into me um, but, but I do want to say in, in one, you should go pursue those people and spend time with those types of communities, do everything you can. I think this is where going to a church or a synagogue or a place of worship and going and getting around those, those, maybe somebody that leads a Bible study and, and share this with them or getting around those people, joining those sort of groups. That's a great place to go. But also listen, if you don't have those people right now, I would say go to the Bible because it is the most significant place where you can build your identity. So if you're wondering, hey, where can I build a strong identity? Where can I build my sense of self-worth the most? What is the biggest game changer? It's going to God and going to the Bible and reading in the Bible what God says about you. It's the number... Because think about it, going back to this J.R.R. Tolkien quote, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. Who's more praiseworthy than God? Nobody. And so what God says about you is above all reward should bring the greatest value and worthiness to who you are. And so I want to go through some of this in just a minute. Before I do, though, I do want to mention here, this is a biblical concept, and it's around male and female, masculine and feminine identity and self-worth. Statistically, uh, women tend to struggle more with self-worth and value than men by just a little bit. Okay. And the Bible says something about husbands for their wives, which should also help build their sense of self-worth is, is that husbands are called to die and sacrifice for their wives in the book of Corinthians in the Bible. So it says, husbands, sacrifice for your wives as Christ did for the church, which was die for it, okay? So, so you know, one of the things wives should feel, if they have a husband and it's a virtuous marriage, it's, the, it's, a, it's a marriage that's built on the Bible, the husbands 
need to, are, are willing to die for their wives. And so for a wife, knowing that you had have somebody that you're married to that's willing to die for you, that if the choice is given, they're going to choose to sacrifice themselves, that should build your sense of worthiness, knowing that you're worth dying for in the person that marries you. Now, if that person is not willing to do that, this isn't, you know, it's not, it, 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 it's not, it's not ideal, right? But that there should be a sense of, by the way, if you're not married and you're watching this, or you know somebody who isn't, maybe they need to listen to this or watch this. And that is, if you're getting married, you're the, you know, I mean, you're a woman listening to this, your husband should be willing to die for you. If they're not, it's not the right, he's not the right man. Expert insight here I want to share with Jamie Kern-Lima. She's a person that I admire greatly. She's the founder of IT Cosmetics. And here's something just really interesting here. I was able to talk to her uh, in person or over video. And she shared with me that um, when she was a little bit older, she found out she was adopted. And that that impacted her a little bit, uh, actually quite a bit, that, that she found out she was adopted. So that was something that impacted her sense of self-worth. But but at, at first, but then as she thought about it, she said, you know what? Uh, that doesn't make me feel less worthy. I'm going to say it actually makes me feel more worthy. So, uh, you know, I know that there was somebody who chose to give me up, but I also know there was somebody who chose me. Parents went out of their way to bring me into their family. And so I'm not going to focus on the I was given up part. I'm going to focus on the I was chosen part. So much of this is about your perception. If you choose to focus on the negative, that one hater that said that, med, med, that mean thing about you online who tried to ruin your reputation, if that's what you focus on, you're not going to feel worthy. But if you focus on that one praiseworthy person, the person that actually had character who said something great about you, that's going to help improve your sense of self-value and your sense of self-worth. It's all about perception. So with Jamie Kern Lima, she chose to focus on not that she was given up for adoption, but that she was chosen by parents that love her. She also told a story. Uh, she was, shared a story with me about uh, her selling IT cosmetics. We were sharing. I, I have businesses that I've 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 sold, and and um and and she was sharing with me when when she sold her business, and she said that she had to deal with a lot of rejection. Actually, firstly, up front when starting her company, she got a lot of no's. Well, finally, she built a lot of success in her company, and she went into a process of selling her company, and, and she went into a uh, into a, a meeting of a really big company that she admired and loved, and was hoping this she was hoping this was going to be the company to buy her company, and they ended up passing on the product. Here's the crazy thing: is they passed on the product. They said, "Hey, we want to say congratulations for building such a great company, but we're going to pass on it." And she said well, why is that? And they said, well, she said, would well, you want the honest truth? She said, yeah. She said, it's because the way you look. They didn't feel like she looked like, you know, the supermodel, or maybe her skin was a little bit too rosy, a number of things there. And, um, and how she thought about it was he, he gave me a no, but she said, I'm going to believe that that's for God's protection. And so even though I'm past, I'm, somebody is passing on me, and not feeling like me, my, I'm good enough, somebody out there, uh, it, God is lining up that right person for me, just like the way she was adopted, somebody that's going to love her, love the company, and do it justice. So one of the things I know that Jamie Kern Lima has done to build her identity is she's built a divine identity, as I have, and I shared earlier. And basically, I, I mentioned this, if you want to build your identity, you need to go to the most praiseworthy person possible, and that's God. Re read what the Bible says about us. And one is, the Bible says we're made in the image of God. So literally, we are divine beings. I mean, that alone should just you know rock your world and build a sense of value that you're not just a physical being; you're different than animals. Like we are divine, created to live for eternity. You know, C.S. Lewis has this quote, and it's amazing. And he said, if we would see one another, the true self worth and value in each other, he, he said, we we would see this world of gods and goddesses with a little g, but this world of God and goddesses, these divine beings that if we would see each other in our true light, we would we we we, we would uh, you know uh, sort of have to turn our heads. Just the 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 majesty was so great. So all that being said, I think I think it's important to recognize the Bible says you are made in God's image. God says, you're, it says you're loved by God, the most amazing being in the universe, times infinity, and 
that you're called with a plan and a purpose. You know, if you re read Jeremiah 29, 11 as an example of this. And so I think when you look at your divine identity, it really builds a lot of uh, self-worth. What I would do if you want to do this is I would go and look up um, what the Bible says about me or, the, or, or a biblical identity and, and do a search online on a search engine, DuckDuckGo or Google or Brave, and go, go and then write those things down or print those out. What does God say about you? Okay, who you are, your identity. And it really is building. I did this when I was in my 20s because I wanted to build my sense of identity and self-worth, and it was really empowering, just looking at it, reading over and over, reading those books that build identity. Now, I do want to say something that happens oftentimes, and I see this across the board, whether somebody is religious or not religious, is we have this pendulum that swings a little too far, okay? And sometimes people believe in a religious community, they believe that, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm no good. And, but, but there's this thing where they focus on that part of things, I'm a sinner, and man has fallen, and I'm just going to mess up, and th they focus on this part. And so then they actually, they, they, they feel unworthy, okay? And then sometimes people, and this is not in the Bible, but it goes, you know, people will say, you're perfect just the way you are. You're not perfect just the way you are. You're, you're, you, you have the capability to be great. You're made in God's image, and that is amazing in and of itself, but you're not perfect. You have the capacity to be good and be so much more than you are. So to believe that you're perfect or to even tell your kids that they are actually perfect is not a good thing to do. In fact, it builds something called a fixed mindset in psychology versus a growth mindset. You need to believe that you're imperfect, but you're made in God's image and you're capable of becoming so much more. You are valuable in, in, in doing great things in the world. And so, again, just to say this, your identity should not be your perfect, because you're not. You shouldn't tell other people who they are, but you should show people their potential. And, and it's great to applaud people for the good things that they've done via character and work ethic and using their God-given skills. You know, I think a lot of times um, people uh, feel a sense of uh, low self-worth because they've allowed themselves to be the victim or feel like they are the victim. And listen, sometimes we are real victims in life. You know, I could even say Jamie Kern Lima, it, it feels like a victim being, being, being given up sometimes. Uh, of course, it'd be feel, of course there are victims out there that have been through sex trafficking or kids that have been abused, or th there, there are a lot of examples of this. But oftentimes we stay in that victim state rather than moving into that hero state. And oftentimes we allow the adversary to... Uh, to, to speak to us in a negative way. And, and this is something, if you're, if you're watching this, people with low self-esteem, people with low self-worth, tend to have a lot of negative self-talk. And they say it's self-talk, and some of it might be self, but some of it might also be spiritual beings, okay? I'm going to get into this on, 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 on this show. Uh, by the way, in the Bible, uh, if we're translating it, the word Satan means adversary, the word devil means deceiver or father of lies. Okay, so deceiving, lying. And so if you have these voices in your head that tell you you're not worthy, they gave you up because you have, they, they don't love you, you have nothing to offer, you're being deceived. This is the spirit of the devil, okay? If you are feel like you know you just constantly have this adversary you're up against and fighting against this evil in the world you're fighting for something good and it's against you well that's satan that's the adversary and know that there are spiritual forces that will come to your aid so so this is where prayer comes in i think prayer is one of the most powerful tools for building your identity knowing that part of self-worth is knowing that you know what I am myself and worthy, but I also have a lot of other worthy people around me, and God is for me, not against me. And so it's not just me. I've got a whole army around me taking on the adversary and the deceiver. And so it's important to recognize the spiritual components of worthiness as well. Our enemy's goal is to strip us of our identity. Think about this. If he can take our worth away from us, we don't show up in the way God created us to be. We, in fact, we don't even try. This happens to so many people today. It's like on social media, the mean person says something. So you, 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 you walk around with your head down or you, or you yell back at them and you focus on that for the next week and you've not done anything versus saying, oh, that hater, delete, or I'm ignoring that. 
or saying, hey, I appreciate your, your, your comment. Hey, I love you and pray that you're blessed. And you move on and continue to do what God's called you to do. That's a sign of high worthiness. And I think if you meditate on what God says about you enough, you're going to be able to overcome these issues. I want to mention too, this isn't, uh, this, this is biblical, but in addition, if you're watching this and you're saying, okay, hey, I love the Bible, or I don't read the Bible, but I also want to know other ways to build my identity. Here are a couple other ways that are important. Knowing you're valuable, writing down what are your greatest skills and gifts in life? What are those gifts you've been given? Where can you add value to others? So write down those gifts and strengths that you have. If, you know, for, for me, it could feel like, okay, I've the, I, I can be a good encourager, okay? So I'm going to write that down, that I'm an encouraging person. Okay, I'm going to write down wisdom. I feel like I can really see decisions before another person and help them make a wise decision. I feel like I can discern the truth. I have a spirit of discernment. So it might be different for you. It likely is. But I wrote down, okay, here are some character qualities and some strengths and gifts that I have. Okay, I feel like I'm a good communicator. I'm strategic. So write down your gifts in your character, in your actual strengths, and your skills, skills you have. Write down what those strengths are. And then write down how you can add value to people, non-financially, but also it could be financially, but write down those things. That's a great way to increase your sense of self-worth and identity, knowing you have these gifts and skills and character qualities to add value to other people. I mean, I think about this for myself. Let's say I was a terrible communicator and I, and, and I, and I didn't know a lot about health and nutrition and didn't have, let's say I didn't have any of that. But the only thing I had going for me was that I was an encourager of other people. Do you know how many people in the world today struggle with, we, we talked about earlier already, the statistically, low self-esteem, low self-worth, they don't believe in themselves, they have depression, anxiety. And if I would go up to people all day long and just say, hey, you know what? I noticed this about you, and I think that this is really amazing and special. Hey, I noticed that you were, you, you know, you're an amazing writer great job. I read what you wrote and I was blown away. You got to keep writing. Like, like most people don't have anyone do that to them. Some, some people literally go through an entire year without somebody saying something positive to them. So if I only have one single positive quality to me that I'm an encourager, I can change the world. So for you, what is that quality? Or pick encouragement, whatever it is, write it down and boom, take it to the highest level possible. And you will feel more worthy if you take the focus off yourself and you start focusing on adding value to others, knowing the one thing you have this gift to offer other people. You know, Mother Teresa says this. She said, I, I, I might butcher this a little bit, but I think I'm going to get pretty close here. She says, we can, we can do no great things only small things with great love. And so I think there's an idea there as well is that, you know, you, you don't, for you to be worthy, you don't have to move mountains. You just have to love. You could just have to, you know, you just have to, you just have to encourage. You just have to, uh, you know, pass on a piece of wisdom to somebody. It's just, none of these are, 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 ha you know, having a bigger car or house or these external things we're trying to do to validate ourselves. They're all internal internal qualities that we pass on to others, that will build your sense of worthiness. I also want to mention, too, going back to this idea of how the enemy attacks us, these spiritual entities. You know, we talk about the, uh, uh, you know, uh, we talked about um, Satan as be meaning the word adversary, this adversary that's against you constantly. This enemy, you know, uses people, circumstances, sometimes parents, classmates, bosses to perpetuate its agenda. And, you know, there is a, uh, when, when people study, uh, when people work in banks, they actually study money to make sure it's not counterfeit. But here's the thing, they never study counterfeit money. They study real money, the real thing. Because the only way to figure out the lie is to know the truth so well you can recognize the lie. So this is important for you, that you are able to recognize the truth so then you can point out what the lie is. I see this politically. So many people are confused today in politics and medicine. I saw this happen during COVID because I knew the truth of how the body worked and the immune system, and I, and I, I knew it. I was, not, I was never deceived because I knew all of these facts, okay? I knew the reality of what real health is and how it works. But a lot of people were. A lot of people also didn't know how the government operated and, and people wanting power and the evil within a lot of people. But like, I knew that. 
all that being said, going back here to uh, you know self-worth is you need to recognize the truth of what God says about you. And if anyone says any different, whether it be a person or a spiritual entity, that you recognize that's a lie. And then you can just focus on what the truth is. And so, you know, ideally, you know, and if you don't know what the truth is, um, you'll be listening to lies all day. So you want to be able to have those resources like the Bible and people that are wise to recognize what the truth is. And this is true for every area of life, not just your sense of self-worth. If you want to know the truth about the stock market, read everything Warren Buffett says. Don't go and read the hype in the, you know, in the latest, uh, you know, Jim Cramer on, you know, on, on whatever network he's on, right? Go and follow that person who has real wise results. I want to talk about just some biblical parallels here of some things that I've meditated on when it comes to building my self-worth. Um, one, and by the way, it takes intentional. Write it down. I think there's something about writing it actually with your hand or typing it, putting it up on your mirror, uh, your true worth. You know, Genesis 127, I mentioned, says, we are made in God's image. And Psalms 139, 14 says, I am fearfully, wonderfully made. It says, God knows you so well that he knows you to the very hair on your head. And so it's these are these are the sort of verses that I personally meditate on. Now I want to go through some res, some solutions here and some steps I want to encourage you to take. Number one, identify core beliefs causing you to feel un, unworthy. Okay, why do you feel unworthy? Is it because your parents never came to your games? Is your parents didn't encourage you? Is a a, a classmate said something to you once years ago? Is it because maybe your physical appearance you just don't don't feel beautiful? Whatever it is. And by the way, I, I think that I see this a lot in society. I think this is why a lot of women get things like breast implants. I think actually it's due to a sense of unworthiness and focusing too much on the outside, not enough on the inside. This might be controversial. Somebody might say, you know, but but, but that's my belief, uh, generally speaking, on why why that happens sometimes, okay, or the feel of the need to do. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I think it is due to a feeling of unworthiness. So going back to this, number one, identify core beliefs causing feelings of unworthiness. Why do you feel unworthy? Is it a physical feature? Is it you feel like you don't lack value in an area? Write that down. That's step number one. Number two, challenge and reframe those limiting beliefs and those lies, okay? Write down, um, no, you know what? God made me this way, and it's good for this reason. You know, if, for instance, I, I had a, a friend of mine in college, and he was really, sh he was short, very, very short for, for uh, shorter for a man. And he was always, we, we've heard, uh, you know, people would say maybe it's a short man syndrome or something like that. And that can be real with some people. And some people don't have it at all. But he really had this. And he was always trying to do things to make himself feel taller. But but his idea there could be, you know, uh, one thing I know he got into later was CrossFit, became a great CrossFit athlete. And I can tell you, CrossFitters that are really good tend to be closer to 5'6 or 5'8 and not six foot five. And so, you know, for him to re-challenge those beliefs and realize God made me so I can be stronger and better at this sport and all of these things, right? And so, number two, challenge and reframe those beliefs, those negative beliefs about yourself. Number three, write down your true value, okay? Write down that what I mentioned earlier. This is your talents, your skills, in ways you can contribute to others, the way that the, what what makes you unique and how that can tr contribute to others. Like an example of this, you know, Jamie Kern Lima, maybe uh, her core belief was she didn't feel beautiful, and that was tied to maybe somebody told her, many people maybe told her at some point something that she connected with that. Number three, she wrote down she is beautiful on the outside, but she believes she's even more beautiful on the inside, so she knows that. And so now she's going to pass that talent on to others and encouraging others and feeling worthy. Okay. So number four here, make worthiness a daily spiritual practice through prayer. Okay. And so write down those Bible verses, memorize them, say them regularly. That's really going to help build your identity. Uh, number five, uh, take action to develop skills and traits you admire in others. Okay, so if there's something you feel like you know that you've, you, a gift you've been given, again, I mentioned encouragement, it could be writing, it could be art, it could be, uh, you know, computer work, take whatever that area you can add value and, and say, if I, how, how do I 10x this talent and get better at it so I can contribute to the world even more? Number six, spend time around other people that will help you feel more worthy about yourself. Now, listen, you don't want people that just tell you you're great and it's not sincere. You want to hang around people that both 
encourage you, but also challenge you to tell you you're here, but you could be here. You could be so much further than you are now. Okay. Hang around people of great character, great virtue, get around, you know, join a growth group. I've always been a part of growth groups, whether it be entrepreneur groups or church groups or, 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 or those sort of things to where I am in that iron sharpens iron or that mentor mentee relationship constantly. And so that's step number six is get around those other virtuous people, write down who those people are, write down who those groups are and pursue those groups. By the way, it's not just going to fall in your lap. You want to pursue getting in a group, getting those sort of mentors and people that speak into your life. Here's a few challenges and takeaways. Listen, worthiness is too important to be left to what culture tells you is makes you worthy because it's all external and it will all fade away. Show up as yourself and know that you're unique and your life is meaningful because God has made you really unique. And then choose to listen to the voice of God, not the voice of the deceiver, and know that, again, you are called with a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're able to do that, you are going to feel worthy. And by the way, worthy, it's, it's like a sense of like, you just finished a good workout, right? You just, you know that you've, you've done something and it matters in contributing to the lives of others. You are valuable, so therefore you have value to pass on to others and to the world. Hey, I want to say thanks so much for tuning in to today's uh, show. You know, each and every week, here's what I do. I uncover the truth about something and the principles that are going to help you make your life much better.